This is the 62nd episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Julia Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Last week, let's get right into the headline, and that is how Fox News exploited the New York City subway choking story. So I wish AOC would ride the subway once or twice just to get a vibe, because I'm hearing from a lot of women today, not women from all over the country, specifically women that take the subway in New York City. And they think about this a little differently than other people. And they know what it's like. And they're not saying, I'm glad this guy died. They said, finally, a man stepped up in the subway and protected us. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, a lot of people, Greg, that take the subway are ones that, you know, you you don't have a choice. Yeah. Anybody who's I, I, I rode the subway for years until it became unsafe. I get in New York City. I leave as soon as I can. I don't want to be in a position where the hands of justice and my justice are in the hands of Alvin Bragg. Mm. I, I do take the subway every day, twice a day, coming in and out of work. I've taken the subway for 39, 38 years, you know, my whole life here in New York City. So that was the cast of the five lamenting the dangerous subway that none of them take except for the liberal Jessica Tarloff. Thought that was an interesting little clip there. So Fox News heavily featured a story that had all the elements of their typical paranoia-filled nightmares. A Democratic-run city, a terrifying underground train, dangerous, unhomed, mentally ill vagrants, and a white, misunderstood former military hero who was just doing what needed to be done to save the lives of others. Last week, on a New York City subway, a homeless man Jordan Neely was choked to the point of death by a young former Marine, Daniel J. Penny, who thought Neely was a threat to him and other passengers. According to witnesses, Neely was acting erratically and throwing garbage. He made threatening statements, but it appears that he didn't actually strike or touch anyone before Penny put him in a chokehold that ultimately killed him. The NYPD didn't immediately charge Penny, although a grand jury is expected to review details of his case this week. There's a high likelihood that he will be criminally charged with manslaughter or another crime. Protests immediately broke out in various parts of New York City, including the subway, which Fox portrayed as even more evidence of an out-of-control metropolis on the brink of collapse. Lawless, chaotic urban streets overrun with crime is a common theme on Fox News, although many of the Fox live in New York City, they never seem to tire of trashing it. Fox revels in crime stories. Every morning on Fox and Friends, the network almost always starts their headline news segments with a crime story that normally wouldn't make a national news broadcast. I suspect that they search for incidents specifically about injured or murdered police officers because they seemingly have one every day. The network will also Uh, repeat a short clip of violent crime on the screen throughout an episode, sometimes showing it as part of a split screen. The same video will replay throughout the day on The Five and then later on a primetime show. Fox has produced countless segments about homelessness with the same message. Homeless people are destroying cities and liberal policies are making things worse. Unhomed people are viewed as drug-addicted monsters who are irredeemable. 
The rest of the news covered on Fox last week was its standard fare. The never-ending Hunter Biden scandal, the border crisis, yet another senseless mass shooting, and the failure of the Biden presidency. For this newsletter podcast, I'm going to explore how the network got as much mileage as possible out of the horribly tragic death of a desperate man suffering from mental illness on the New York City subway. Shows I covered last week, Fox and Friends The First Hour, The Five, and Fox News Tonight, hosted last week by guest host Lawrence Jones. Now, I want to briefly explain who Lawrence Jones is because most of my followers on Twitter had no idea who he was until I started posting clips from him from the show. So on January 29th, 2022, at the age of 29, he's now 30, Lawrence Jones became the youngest black man to work as a solo host of a cable news show. He hosts Lawrence Jones Cross Country, which airs Saturday nights at 10 p.m. on Fox News. I was a bit shocked when Fox News announced Jones would be one of the temporary hosts of Tucker Carlson's old time slot. Jones is a frequent correspondent on Fox and Friends, where he mostly reports from a distant location. Jones was completely over his head last week as he stumbled with reading a teleprompter and screamed over guests. Now, this first clip is of Lawrence Jones with a guest he was seemingly very friendly with, a man named Jason Nichols of the University of Maryland, um, who did an amazing job. I wish I could show you this entire uh, segment that went between the two of them because Nichols was just, just all just mopping the floor, but yet calm and polite, but still mopping the floor with uh, Jones. I sadly can't do that because it would be way too long, but this is the first uh, section of their interaction and it's quite good. Jason Nichols is a senior lecturer at the University of Maryland. He joins us now. Uh, Jason, um, thanks so much for joining me, brother. Um, we all mourn his death, but the city is out of control. And people that are black, brown, white, everybody is on edge right now. And they're gonna do everything that is necessary, those that are willing to defend themselves. So why the rest of judgment on this case? Well, first of all, Lawrence, let me just say congratulations. I'm really proud of you, and you know Thank I'm you, always brother. rooting for you. Um, first of all, we have to understand that the characterization that you made earlier about crime being out of control in New York City is just factually inaccurate. It's actually major crimes are down 6 percent in New York City. Subway not crimes are down 9 percent. Not to you today, as a brother. Of fact, I'm sorry to interrupt at, you, brother. No, but, the, no, but we can look at it. NYC.gov. NYC.gov. I just put the stats up on the screen. It's sure, up we can look at year to date. Yes, it is down. But if you can sure. compare the crime to this point last year, it's up. And that is a problem for people that walk the streets of New York. The mayor knows that he was elected because of this reason. Yeah, and, and I think we need to give credit to the New York Police Department, the NYPD. They get a lot of heat. I've been someone who's been critical, but they're actually doing a good job at dropping crime. When we look at the crime statistics, they are actually going trending downward. Now, Nicholas was correct, as the city has seen a slight decrease in crime since last year, including a 15% drop in shootings, a 27.8% decrease in murders, a 22.1% decrease in rapes, and a 15% decrease in burglaries. Some forms of property crimes have risen, with a slight increase in some isolated areas in the outer boroughs. Historically, all forms of crime in New York City are much lower 
than in previous decades. Now, because this came up on Twitter, I'm going to explain the boroughs. I don't know how people don't know this, but we're going to do it. Now, if you look up the population of New York City, you're going to see a number. That number is 8.4 million people. It's huge. Enormous. This is how it works out in terms of population. The borough means it's just five sections that make up a city, but it's all one city. Here's that city. We go Brooklyn, Queens, uh, Manhattan, the Bronx, Staten Island. That's all New York City, and it makes up 8.4 million people. We have the same mayor. We pay the same New York City taxes. It's all New York City. So uh, Brooklyn is not a separate city. I don't know why people think this. It hasn't been a separate city since the 19th century. (laughs) Um, I live in Brooklyn. I pay New York City taxes. So anyway, and here's a little tip before I mention my sponsor. You uh, can tell how long somebody's lived here and how they pronounce the word Manhattan. If they say Manhattan, they probably just moved here. If they've lived here a minute, they say Manhattan. They slur it. And that's how I say it because it's been 22 freaking years. I couldn't live anywhere else. What's a car? I have no idea. Okay, so very briefly, I should mention my sponsor, which is the Townite Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. That's who helps pay for this project. I'm also supported by listeners and readers. So if you would like to help make this project completely independent, it's on its way, not quite there yet. You can go to my Substack and become a paid subscriber, or you can help at Patreon uh, for Decoding Fox News. And I also have a little dollar bill next to my name at Twitter that goes straight to a payment app. All of this money right now is being saved in a separate account for when the end of this grant happens, which will be mid-August. So if I have no other income coming in, hopefully... The money I have saved up will help transition this into a fully reader, listener supported project. That would be the best case scenario because then I could do whatever the heck I want, including bonus podcasts, added podcasts, whatever guests I want. I don't have somebody telling me what to do, which would be brilliant. I could end up, you know, having uh, Thor and Odin do cat modeling for me in order to support uh, my mortgage and, and all that fun stuff of my tiny, my tiny apartment. I say mortgage. People think house. I think no. Picture a one-car garage. That's where I live. But, you know, in Brooklyn, in the center of Brooklyn. Boring Brooklyn. I live in nerdy Brooklyn. This is not hip. Nothing about my neighborhood is hip. Anyway, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I have no idea what's happening with this project. I just, on complete faith, keep doing it every single week. So this is Dana Perino from the same day that we just heard the clip about, I don't ride the subway. Who rides the subway? And then the liberal goes, I ride the subway. Anyway, here's Dana Perino. Subway crime is a big problem for New York City. So far this year, there have been 139 robberies, 131 felony assaults, one rape and one murder. So those numbers sound scary, uh, but I live here in New York, so I want to give you a little bit of perspective. So what Perino left out is that the subway has roughly 2.4 million riders every single day. The entire subway system includes more than 6,455 subway cars, 472 subway stations, 665 miles of track. Any violence in the subway system is unwanted, but most highways are more dangerous than public transit. According to the National Safety Council's latest report, the most dangerous form of transportation in the U.S. is a passenger vehicle. To quote the report directly, over the past 10 years, passenger vehicle deaths per 100 million passenger miles was over 20 times higher than for buses, 17 17 times higher than for passenger trains, and 595 times higher 
than for scheduled airlines. The Economist also rated New York City one of the 15 safest cities in the world. And again, I live here. I take the subway, not so much now because I work from home, but I used to take it every single day, multiple times a day. So very briefly, as a New Yorker, as somebody who takes the subway all the time, I used to take it constantly. Now I don't because I work from home. I was absolutely horrified by this story. I want to also say very quickly, I will not be calling anybody a murderer until they are convicted of a crime. I will also be not using the term murder because that's not my job to convict people. On my newsletter or my podcast, I have to remain just, I don't know, we're just going to let this man have due process. It's very important. And I bring this up because I saw a lot of people complaining about the use of passive voice or headlines that they didn't think were strong enough. And let me tell you, Journalists love weak language, may have, could be, possibly. We have to do that because we don't know, and we certainly cannot convict somebody in a newspaper before they've had a trial. And that's just the way it works, and it, it is frustrating, especially in cases where it's like like super, super obvious uh, when somebody even says, yes, I killed this person. We still have to say alleged, and that's because of the due process and all of that. I just wanted to get that out. I was horrified by this story for a number of reasons because uh, I have been on subway so many times, like hundreds, thousands of times, when somebody with untreated mental illness gets on the car, starts ranting and screaming, and you just block them out, look at your shoes, and the person just keeps going. That's what happens in 99.9% of the time. Uh, the only time I've ever seen violence has been usually between teenagers who knew each other, who were like, you know, in a, in a fight when they got on the subway, yelling at each other, and then it, it escalated. Uh, I've never seen anybody robbed on the subway. I've seen violence, but usually, again, it's between people who knew each other. What I've seen countless times is I've seen a drunk person get on the subway, act belligerent, scare people, and then drunk people are a little different, and then I've seen people walk over to the, the drunk person and just sort of push them off the train at the next station. Nobody gets hurt. The problem person is now kind of confused on the station. They just get on the next train. That's what I've seen that countless times. I can't even tell you. I've personally been accosted a couple times on the subway by strange men, and in both cases, like, had men grabbing me and stuff. Uh, what happened was strangers helped me and literally removed the guy from the train, just pushed him off the train. Because you can't really call the cops because you're on a moving train. You can't call the cops, but it doesn't really, it's very difficult because you're on a moving target. You're on a train that's moving from station to station. So when you call the cops, it's difficult for them to get there. They'll sometimes stop the train. It's a very sticky situation. So when I read about this, I was just absolutely horrified because I thought, why on earth would you put the person in a chokehold? And oh my goodness, like what an overreaction. That's all I thought of. And it could have been very scary. I, I'll tell you very quickly before we get to the next clip. The night I was on MSNBC, um, the way the car service was set up was very complicated and I didn't even know where to go to get the car and all of this. And I thought, I'll just take the subway. It's right here because there's a subway literally under 30 Rock. And I was talking to a friend. I got on the subway, and I kid you not, within five minutes, uh, a guy gets on the car, very crowded car, and he just starts screaming, I'm going to kill all the white people. I'm going to kill all the white people. And my first thought was, I had a car. I could have taken a car that someone else is paying for, and I didn't take the car. Um, like an idiot. But no, absolutely nothing happened. This Because this is so common. The guy screamed for like three, four stops, 
everybody on the car, regardless of uh, their race, looked very, very nervous about this guy. People were looking at their shoes. He gets off. Everybody, you know, yay. People even openly joked about it. Oh, he's gone. And absolutely nothing happened. And that is like, that is just such a frequent occurrence. And that's why I just was absolutely floored by this incident. Just horrified. Absolutely horrified. Now, in this next clip, uh, Greg Gutfeld brings up Bernie Goetz. And this was a very famous story in the 80s. Bernie Goetz was a white man who shot four young black men on the subway on December 22nd, 1984. Goetz had been mugged twice and started carrying a handgun with him, even though he did not have the proper permit to do so. Goetz claimed he thought the men were going to rob him, but reports indicated that the men were unarmed and only had three screwdrivers between them. One man was so badly injured, a bullet severed his spinal column, resulting in paralysis. The details around the shooting are murky, as Getz shot one man twice and then fled the scene. After two grand juries and the subsequent trial, Getz was only convicted for criminal possession of a handgun and found not guilty on the other charges. He served less than a year in jail. Get crime was much higher in New York City at the time, and public sentiment was in Getz's favor. The case remains extremely controversial. In 1996, the man gets paralyzed when a civil lawsuit against him for $18 million in civil damages and $25 million in punitive damages for the attack. Getz was not a wealthy man, so the plaintiff received only a small fraction of that amount. So you need to know that history to understand this reference. It's nuts. feels like a Bernie Getz moment where everybody goes, okay, we're hitting the bottom here. This is bad. Permission to rant. Sure. Anyone accusing anyone else of supporting that guy of, of non-compassion can go screw themselves, right? We've been talking about what's going on in the subways. We've been talking about what's been going on in the streets. Uh, the mentally ill being left to suffer on the street. The criminally deranged left on the street to attack and push women in front of trains and beat people over the head with pieces of wood. We've been talking about the danger to themselves and the dangers to others for years. And I have nothing but contempt for the outraged leftist who caused this, who ignored this. They are like the person on the subway who just gets on their phone. And it's something like, I wonder, I wonder, would, would AOC or anybody on the squad or what's his name, Chris Hayes, anybody like that, would they actually step in, right? I have to wonder, would they actually, you know, would they see somebody being menaced by a violent felon? Would they actually try and intervene, or would they decide not to share the risk and just step away? Because metaphorically, that's what they've been doing for the last five years. So they're just- So that's incredibly sanctimonious from a man who openly admitted he doesn't take the subway. Uh, New York City has gotten much safer in the past few decades from the 70s on. So it's, it's hard to stomach this, you know, oh, it's not safe anymore, yada, yada. I used to take the subway home at four o'clock in the morning when I would perform all over New York. And I had multiple incidents, but a lot of times people looked out for me and took care of me and total strangers, every ethnicity you could think of, uh, that's New York. There was one time I was near where I live in Brooklyn and a Asian woman, probably in her thirties, ran onto the car and said, leave me alone, leave me alone. And she was talking to this man who was like literally stalking her. He was like following her from car to car and she didn't know what to do. And I uh, am not... Uh, I'm taller than average. I'm built like I joke about being built like a Viking all the time. So I stood up and said, "Buddy, back off! Knock it off!" And uh, I started yelling at him. He was screaming like racial slurs at her. 
he was also not white, um, but I couldn't tell what ethnicity he was. doesn't really matter. Uh, but he started yelling at her. And then this multiracial uh, car, and I like to include that because that's New York. Uh, everybody ganged up on this guy and started yelling at him and was like, leave her alone. Uh, and basically he did. He just got off the car because he couldn't take the fact that everybody was screaming at him. Then I got off the subway with her to make sure she was okay. That's New York. And I, I can't tell you how many incidents I've had like that. When, right after 9-11... I got five nasty sinus infections in a row because the dust made it to my part of Brooklyn, unfortunately. And the doctor flat out said she thinks that's why I had five sinus infections in a row that required antibiotics. And the first one I had was really nasty. And I was going to my job at a, as a singing waitress at Ellen Stardust Diner. I collapsed on the subway stairs, it just completely collapsed. I had a fever. I couldn't handle it. I was in denial. And I felt hands from total strangers swooped in and picked me up and people were like are you okay are you okay and I said I'm, I, 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 I gotta go to work I gotta go to work um, that's happened I can't tell you how many times if strangers push these crazy men who grabbed me on the subway off the subway it's you know it's a city and and yes it can be scary and, and, and you'll see video of people ignoring crime and oh how horrible I've seen the opposite since I've moved here 22 years ago. I've seen countless incidents where strangers have helped each other out. So that's the New York I know. And I'm not wealthy. I don't live in a nice area. I live in a very like middle-class area of Brooklyn. So it just, I just I just get so sick of this 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 like cartoon character they've turned New York City into of this like crime-filled hellscape because that's not the reality. It's just not the reality. It's much safer than my hometown of St. Louis. I can't even tell you. So here's Gutfeld again talking about homelessness, and he gets a bunch of crap wrong. This is two different clips. So he, in the first clip, he says, basically, the government should spend more money on homelessness. The second clip is from September of last year, where he basically says the opposite. Uh, this was a textbook person that would have been helped by the $800 million that somehow yeah. disappeared, disappeared, right? Yep. There, is, there is money in this city for the homeless. What did the de Blasios do with it? This guy had 40 arrests, violence. He was a danger to others, and when he's a danger to others, he becomes a danger to himself, right? But they didn't give a shit about him. Nope. None, of the, none of the liberals gave a damn. So that's Greg saying, basically, Greg Gutfeld saying, the government's not giving enough money to help homeless people. And again, this is from September of last year. He says something very, very different about how uh, the government should handle homeless people. A majority of law-abiding citizens are at the mercy of a few thousand, 10,000, 50,000, maybe a half a million nationwide of people who exist independent of our rules, laws, and manners, right? We have defined a heinous lifestyle, homelessness, as a lifestyle choice, right? We, I, and I'm saying exempt from like the, the, the tiny exceptions, right? I'm talking largely men. When you see these pictures, they're mostly men. They're not hanging out like the, the, the jovial transients and hobos that you used to see in cartoons. These are strung out, manic, unfriendly, aggressive people. And you're lucky if they're unconscious because then they won't hurt you. Right. I walk this city all the time. I drive up in the morning. I count them. I recognize them. I know them. They prefer the shelter, they don't prefer shelters to the streets because you can't do drugs and score drugs in shelters. That's why they're out there. That's a choice, right? You can't bring your property into the shelter either. 
Because that, because they don't allow that. So you prefer to be outside with your bags of stuff and do your drugs. All you got to do is spend one afternoon in New York City and you see the reality. And it flies in the face of everybody there that tells you you have to be more compassionate. Because their compassion is allowing this to happen, throwing money at that. They're like the tourists that give that, that the healthy beggar with the little dog money and that beggar is in front of your house. And it's like, I want to go to your damn house where you are in Germany or Spain and do the same thing and see how you feel, because all you do is you keep these people here making money. I do have a solution, and it's a progressive solution. Give the homeless what they want, because there is no way you can have a conversation with them. You can't have a you can't reason with the unreasonable. Give them what they want, but not in the city. The city allows us to happen. Move it out onto government property and let them run it. So, yes, last week he says we need more money for the homeless. It's the government's responsibility, yada, yada. Where'd this money go? Yada, yada. And then back in September, he's basically saying we need to put them on federal land and just let them go wild. And that they want to be homeless and they want to be miserable and they want to be living like this. It's like, oh, come on. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's typical Greg Gutfeld. Arrogant. I know better than everybody. You know, and he openly admits, like, I drive around. What are you doing driving around looking at uh, people who don't have a home? Like, what's wrong with you? That's just, like, sick. That just sounds disgusting. Oh, my goodness, Greg Gutfeld. Now, the next one, we're going to switch gears a little bit. One of my favorite segments, don't always get it, had had twice, had it twice last week. Fox guest goes rogue. This is when a guest on Fox doesn't stick to the script. Uh, last week, this is on Fox and Friends. This is from Friday. Mark Betterow, a former Manhattan assistant district attorney, uh, was invited to talk about the case, and he went way off script, and this was great to see. Uh, great to see you. Uh, first off, your reaction, how much uh, should this 24-year-old Marine be worried right now of being charged? I would be worried that he could be charged with uh, manslaughter charges or criminally negligent homicide charges. I think he should be worried. Why? Because... There is a video of him holding, nearly choking him, uh, using what lawyers call deadly physical force. And if he was not authorized to use that force, then he's potentially facing charges. And one might assume or believe that he just was not justified because he didn't appreciate the risk that a, a reasonable person should have, which is by choking someone, it's likely to cause their death, particularly a Marine who presumably is well-trained in the use of that kind of force. So if, if you feel threatened, you can't get somebody in a submission hold? Well, the law requires, before you use deadly physical force, that you believe another person is using or is about to use deadly physical force. And this could be the case, especially when you look at this, kid's, this guy's track record, uh, 44 arrests, one time he spent, the last time he spent time in jail was for punching a woman in the face, causing severe brain injury. The issue is the Marine who just encounters him on the subway is not likely to be aware of that. So in a legal sense, although that history, I think, is relevant to people who want to see the right thing happen here legally, with respect to what the Marine perceived and what kind of physical force he saw being used, he's not going to be aware of that. I want so your- I don't want to misrepresent what that man said. Later in the segment, he... Um, Basically concluded with, I think he's going to get charged, but I don't think he's going to get convicted, which is why Fox asked him to come on. And uh, they were just surprised that he actually broke down pretty clearly in uh, terms of the law why this man probably will be charged. I talked about this with my sister, who's a criminal defense attorney at length. She agreed that he will be criminally charged. Um, 
And she basically said very similar things. Fox also wanted to make a lot of mileage out of Neely's priors. But again, because uh, Penny, the Marine who choked him, did not know of these priors, that will be completely inadmissible. Because you can't just say, oh, like if they were friends, if they were neighbors, for instance, then it might come into play. And a neighbor said, my ex-con neighbor who I knew had all this pro- all these problems with violence started yelling at me and I panicked. Um, that would be something if you knew, again, if you knew of the previous uh, violent acts. But in this case, he didn't. So that's it's actually meaningless. And Fox can mention it as many times as they want. But in a court of law, it will not help um, the Marine. So that's what we're dealing with right here. Now we go to another completely, completely crazy place with Rachel Campos Duffy. Also on Friday, also on Fox and Friends. I wish I could say that this is just some sort of urban situation, no. some urban chaos. No. I look at the border last week, we interviewed ranchers who said, yeah, we're expecting more because of Title 42. We've put up cameras, we've got more bullets and guns, but we're actually afraid to use them to defend ourselves because the victims turn into the criminals in this country. Something is shifting because right. ve- when it's happening in Texas yeah. and it's happening in, in New York City, it's not an urban problem. This is a they national wanna, wanna cultural make, issue. They want to make this George Floyd, too. Here's, of course they do. Yeah, here's Paul. He knows that's not true. Yeah. Here's the deal. This is a plug and go riot. They've got black victim, white guy, and all the actors know what they have to do. The NGOs, the actors, you said they probably, a lot of these people are paid by all these other NGOs. Um, you've got the, the actors like AOC ready to go because they know they want another racial issue just like George Floyd because when these things happen, they can distract. They can, you know, distract from the economic misery that they're bringing on all of these people. Um, they can distract from the fact that they're consolidating power and 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 wealth at the very top. Um, this is a c- distraction, but they need these useful idiots here Not gonna to work. do this. You Not watch what the president weigh in today. So that clip was about a minute and a half, and she uh, maybe a minute twenty, and she brought up so many conspiracy theories. So she weaved in the border crisis. That was creative. Then she said the victims are criminals, so the criminals become victims. She used the term useful idiots, which is a term from the Cold War that described Americans who were manipulated by Soviets to promote the Soviet Union. She claimed the protesters were paid by NGOs specifically, yet she provided no proof whatsoever. Uh, She claimed that the protests were riots. They were not riots. There were no property damage. There was no no fires. There was nothing like that. It's just a peaceful protest. People are allowed to have them according to the First Amendment. She also brought up this consolidating of power at the top and wealth. What? Okay. So an incident of violence happens in a New York City subway and it's somehow the elites did this because they're... What? The consolidating of wealth at the top has been going on since the 1980s. And you can thank some of the supply-side economic policies pushed by Republicans back in the 80s for that because you could literally start to see the trend of the uh, income inequality and the, the wealth gap starting all the way back from the 80s. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Uh, So, but okay, sure, Rachel Campos Duffy. The woman got her start on an MTV reality show. Can you tell? I can tell. I can tell. She's Rachel Campos Duffy. She just says crazy things. 
I just say crazy things and I have nine children. Let me just mention that I have nine children. She finally, uh, she used to live in the Midwest with her husband, Sean Duffy, who's equally like baffling. Like he was a congressman and I'm like, how? Doesn't seem to be much going on up there. But anyway, they just moved to the East Coast because they have nine children and they used to commute. They used to commute and they'd brag, we don't have our kids today. And I'm like, wow, who's raising them? Maybe somebody should be, I'd just call me crazy. One of you, I don't care who, doesn't matter with me. Now this next clip takes some of the themes that you just heard in Rachel Campos Duffy, like her bizarre, short, condensed conspiracy theory little segment there and makes them much, much darker. This is from Fox News Tonight. This is Lawrence Jones with a British uh, writer named Douglas Murray. I would call Douglas Murray's belief systems uh, seeped in white supremacy he would probably disagree with me on that he would reject my uh i guess opinion of him but i would say that with confidence he would call it like european superiority and say it has nothing to do with race yada yada he's very much like pro-europe europeans being with the other europeans and blah 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 and the things he has a very very posh accent and the things he says in this clip are a little outrageous and that he claims that, like, the government is purposely inciting violence. And again, let me comment a bazillion times more. There were no riots. <laughs> a protest is not a riot. You can't just take a... Pre this was truly a peaceful protest. There were no riots. Yeah. Um, th this is where we're at. Yeah. We got complete maniacs in this city. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be here anymore, mm -hmm. but they ha they're forced to, they have work, they have families they want to take yeah. care of. And you have a guy that has a track record. I no one wants anybody to die. No. But what's going on in the subway has to stop, right? But every New Yorker knows this. Everyone, every New Yorker has a story of meeting somebody exactly like this, being uh, screamed at, uh, you know, uh, somebody, you know, always on the fringe of violence. Everybody knows that. I know plenty of people, particularly women, who won't take the subway or won't take it after dark. There's all sorts of stuff. Everybody knows it's unsafe. And, you know, the, the tragedy of this is that this incident, which will end up being litigated and much more, should have been jumped on by people who seem to be wanting to provoke riots yeah. in New York. I mean, that, that uh, clip we just, the, the, that clip we just heard, the, the crowd from tonight and last night, yeah. they are shouting justice or we burn it down. Burn it down is this city, it's our city, it's the city we're sitting in. It, it, it's not a joke. And yet, despite this powder keg existing, Politicians like members of the squad and the radical left Democrats have been over the last two days just endlessly hitting every, every single sore point they can. We've had, we've had elected uh, officials saying that this was a lynching. I mean, you know, don't need me to tell you this. This is just the most emotive language you could use. They the cropped out the black guy yes. that was assisting the Marine out of the video. Right, of course. And you just gotta ask yourself why. Why would they do that? Why would right. they do that if they didn't have ulterior yeah. motives there? Why would uh, somebody like Representative Bowman or Ocasio-Cortez say that this was uh, a public execution? and Why would they say that unless they want the crowds to go berserk in New York, you know? I mean, that is... To consider this, just to consider that they couldn't keep quiet. They couldn't do what Mayor Adams did and say, why don't we wait for the facts in this case? They couldn't, they couldn't restrain themselves. These are people standing by a tinderbox, throwing lighted matches at it and hoping that it catches. So I just want to say that he's, Murray's kind of doing what he claims AOC is doing. Because <laughs> he's like trying to rev this up. Like, 
this is a protest. It was clearly a protest. They were playing it on a screen. That's where you kind of hear some of it. Uh, there was no fires. They're literally saying they're going to burn it down. Well, that's an expression. And there was no actual burning of anything down. So I just want to add that. And there were no riots. And I'm not sure what Lawrence Jones is talking about because I've seen the video and I clearly see somebody with darker skin uh, helping uh, hold Neely down as um, the Marine had him in a chokehold. So, and I know that there was a, a Spanish-speaking person who also spoke to the press who said, we didn't mean to hurt him, yada, yada. So I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about. There might be a version that's been cropped or altered in some way. I don't know. But I, I honestly don't know what he's talking about there. So that, if you can see how we went from how much they exploited the story and how they, again, took this incident and turned it into New York City is crumbling and falling apart and victims are like considered, you know, criminals are considered victims now and, and, oh, and NGOs are paying protesters, but those aren't protests, those are riots and, and then all of the nonsense that came out of Greg Gutfeld's mouth. This is what Fox does. They just, this was like such red meat to them. This was like, a million steaks for free. They just had to grill them up. This is what they do. And this is why this network is so frustrating, especially as somebody who lives here, who experiences New York every single day, who is like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're... There's always been crime. It's New York City. It's a big city. That's what's going to happen. But it is... I can't even tell you, like, how warped their perception and their... Uh, portrayal of New York City is. It is a complete fiction. It's fantasy. It's a cartoon show. So again, because I haven't done an impression this week, it didn't really fit. Um, I'm going to do a very quick one because <laughs> you guys like my impressions when I do them of the next section. And this is, I'm going to do it as Judge Janine. Here we, I got to move back from my mic. Okay. I'm Judge Janine. And now, don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole list like this because that would drive you crazy. That would be too much. But this is Stories Fox News Ignored. Every week, I compare 15 hours of Fox News with 5 hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following list are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. And here's the thing. I'm going to throw a pen. Shut up! She actually said... I didn't include it because I had a lot to cram in. But she actually said this this week, and I, I cheered. I, I cheered. I hate you, Jesse Waters. And I'm like, that's why I love Judge Janine, even though I never agree with her, pretty much never. But she gets a zinger in there every now and then. So here are the stories. There's, there's quite a few, but you could see exactly why all of these were not mentioned on the shows that I watched last week. E. Jean Carroll's lawsuit against former President Donald J. Trump for defamation and battery continued last week. Carroll has accused Trump of raping her in a department store dressing room nearly 30 years ago. Parts of Trump's videotaped deposition were released to the public. In one clip, he mistakes Carroll for his second wife, Marla Maples, in a photograph. After saying Carroll wasn't his type. The various scandals involving Supreme Court Justice Clarice Thomas and gifts he and his wife received from various wealthy Republican donors included private boarding school tuition for Thomas's grandnephew. I just say various scandals because PBS included all of them. It's a huge part of their coverage last week. The latest jobs report indicated that the U.S. economy added 253,000 new jobs while unemployment fell to 3.4 percent, its lowest rate since 1969. 
This one very this one made me very happy. Four members of the Proud Boys were convicted of seditious conspiracy for the role in the riot on the US Capitol on January 6th. Applause, applause, applause. The Mississippi River reached near record levels in the Quad Cities area in eastern Iowa and western Illinois. The flooding was due to rapid snowmelt. Montana State Representative Zoe Zephyr is suing the state in district court to allow her to return to the floor of the Montana legislature. Zephyr, who is transgender, was barred from entering the floor after she said her fellow legislatures would have blood on their hands if anti-transgender legislation passed. A state judge in Missouri temporarily blocked the state's extreme bans on gender-affirming care. The ban included gender-affirming health care for transgender adults as well as minors. Millions marched in May Day-related events all over the world last Monday. In France, an estimated one million people protested President Emmanuel Macron's decision to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. A strike by more than 155,000 Canadian federal government workers came to an end last week as a tentative deal was reached. Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. met with President Biden last week in the White House. The final criminal case in the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police ended in a conviction. To Tao was convicted on state charges of aiding and abetting manslaughter. He was already convicted in federal court for violating Floyd's civil rights. On Tuesday, a high-profile Palestinian prisoner died after a three-month hunger strike with, while in Israeli custody. His death set off protests in the West Bank and cross-border fighting in Gaza and, is, is, and Israeli territory. The next day, in response, Israeli airstrikes on the Gaza Strip killed a 58-year-old man and wounded five others. Israeli soldiers killed three Palestinians linked to a fatal shooting of a British-Israeli woman and her two daughters. The U.S. Surgeon General cites loneliness as a serious health threat in a new report. PBS conducted an interview with Cindy McCain on her new role as the head of the UN World Food Program. Global food insecurity has dramatically increased in the past several years due to conflicts and climate change. The Tony Awards uh, nominees were announced last week. A convicted rapist who was scheduled to be in court over another sex-related charge shot and killed his wife, her three children, and two friends before killing himself. In Serbia, a 13-year-old boy shot eight students and a guard at his school. He was later captured by police. Mass shootings are extremely rare in Serbia. Iran seized a Panama-flagged oil tanker as it passed through the Strait of Hormos. It is the second such capture in a week. Heavy rains and landslides in western Rwanda killed 127. In nearby eastern Congo, over 200 died due to extreme floods. The U.S. ambassador to Russia met with Paul Whelan. Whelan has been wrongfully imprisoned in Russia over bogus espionage charges. Fox News only seems to care about Whelan when it's politically advantageous. The shows that I surveyed last week did not mention this. And again, they talked about him all the time when it was, you know, bigger in the news. When Brittany Griner was released, it was Whelan, Whelan, Whelan. Now they completely ignored him. A court in Belarus sentenced a dissident journalist to eight years in prison. The Federal Trade Commission proposed sweeping changes to the privacy order with Facebook, now called Meta, over its failure to protect children's privacy. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced Missy Elliott will be the first female hip-hop artist inducted, along with other artists such as Willie Nelson, Kate Bush, Rage Against the Machine, Sheryl Crow, 
and the late George Michael. The state of Idaho passed a law making it illegal for minors to leave the state to have an abortion. PBS also produced a segment about how many OBGYNs are leaving the state because of the severe restrictions. According to new data from the CDC, overdose deaths from fentanyl tripled from 2016 to 2021. California and New York State will investigate the NFL regarding gender discrimination complaint. The Supreme Court blocked the state of Oklahoma for executing Richard Glossop. Oklahoma Attorney General Genter Drummond has stated Glossop did not get a fair trial. His execution is on hold with the court while the court reviews the case. The military rulers of Myanmar released 2,153 political prisoners. Thousands remained detained. Those are all the stories. Some of them you'd expect Fox to ignore, but some of them are just shameful that they ignored, like the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit, Clarence Thomas scandals, the jobs report, the Proud Boys. Uh, they mentioned Zoe Zuffer, but they didn't go into much detail. And then just on and on and on and on. And of course, Fox ignores most international stories, which again, it's just, they don't exist. Um, so for the by the numbers segment, we had some interesting things. The top five for Fox were Hunter Biden, and I've got something planned for that uh, later this week. Subway choking death, border crisis, mass shooting in Atlanta, and Biden 2024. And that goes in 13% for Hunter Biden. Uh, the subway story was 10%. Border crisis, 9%. Mass shooting in Atlanta, 7%. And 4% on Biden 2024. PBS had this crazy tie. So there's actually uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, PBS top topics by percentage for the week ending, uh, May 7th, 2023 was Clarence Thomas, the multiple problems with his ethics, uh, that's 6% artist profile, which is a standard legacy of slavery in the U S which was part of their America at the crossroads, which is hosted by Judy Woodruff. It was fascinating. It was 4% dangers of AI that's artificial intelligence. Debt ceiling impending was a big story on PBS, 4%, and OBGYNs leaving the state with abortion bans. It was mostly Idaho. Uh, words used on Fox. There was some dramatic, some dramatic shifts. Biden, 315. Border shot up to 145. Hunter shot up to 116. Migrant, 70. Trump dropped to 45. Crime was only 34. China, Chinese, that was dramatic drop down to 24. Russia, only 18. DeSantis, 14. Robert Kennedy Jr., still trying to make him a thing at 13%. AOC at 11. Inflation, 10. Iran, 7. Sudan, 3. And Fetterman did not get mentioned. So uh, coming up this week, I have another installment of Fox Nation series, Who is Hunter Biden? Part 2. For my paid subscribers, I'm going to try to go through all of them as quickly as possible as that's heating up. I'm also planning on a cheat sheet of sorts for everybody, for so available to the public, including uh, subscribers and anybody who clicks on my Substack, where I'm going to kind of break down some of the accusations against Hunter Biden and how they've been debunked. Um, that could move forward. That could just be more nonsense. Uh, they've been pushing that for so long. I found some great resources this past weekend I'd love to share with everybody. And I'll also be covering this week Fox and Friends, The Five, Fox News Tonight, and Hannity. I'm basically going to be covering Fox News tonight until they get another permanent host because I just want to see what they're doing with it. And that's it. I'm exhausted. I like to do this the night before, but I ran out of time last night. The cats send their love. Thor's been losing his mind. I've had to stop. You don't know it, but I've had to stop this recording several times because he keeps jumping on me. 
Because yesterday I worked from my bed on a lap desk and he was so much happier. I've discovered why that cat's so crazy. He just likes attention and he gets annoyed with me when I'm working. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us have pets like that. So anyway, thank you so much. If you'd like to become a sponsor, you can at my Substack. You can become a paid subscriber. You can also go to my Patreon. I just posted something exclusively for my Patreon supporters at my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. It was very silly. And if you can't afford to become a subscriber or you don't want to, that's fine. The best thing that you can do to help out the project, it, you share. Share the podcast. Share the newsletter. Send it to friends. Post it on social media. I can tell when people do that. It always helps. It helps drive new people to the Substack channel and expand the audience for this because I really want more people to experience kind of the breakdown of the propaganda that's pushed on a, like a third of our country. So that's it. And also I want to say thank you from the podcast mascots, Odin and Thor, my cats. I will see you at the next podcast.